what happens when someone dies on a plane? So they wait until they land. Um, and then, yeah. So like if your neighbor on the plane passes away, like they just throw a blanket over you. What? Oh, Canada, we're going back to back weeks of Toronto natives. Samantha, are you native to Toronto or where are you from specifically? But we went last week and now this week we have two Canadas in a row. Can you believe it? We're getting so lucky here at the Mortuary Show. Where are you from, Samantha? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, so I am originally from a small town about three hours from Toronto, um, but my career landed me here 13 years ago and, uh, and I stayed. Yeah. That's, so we, we got to hear a little bit about kind of how it is in the Toronto, greater Toronto area. Um, it seems like the percent wise of like what services are going on are very similar to like the national U.S. How is it at your funeral home? What does it look like from, you know, a, a burial cremation or traditional side of things? It's, it's just kind of interesting to hear different parts of the world what is going on. It's just it fascinates me and I think a lot of other people too, especially us in the industry. For sure. So I'd say we're 90% entombment. Wow. Yeah. So very high. So you must be in a very different community or maybe that's just like the funeral home you work with compared to um, Kyle last week who we had on. Um, yeah. So I would say uh, we're 90% entombment, 7% burial, and then the other 3% are cremation. Wow. Okay. So super high traditional. Yeah. Yeah, very, very high traditional, uh, mostly European clientele. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So what do you kind of do? Are, are you on the directing side of things? Or are you in the prep room? Or what is your kind of background and what are you doing now? Uh, yeah, so now I'm primary ranger. So most of the families that come in uh, would sit down with me. Uh, I take out funerals not very often anymore. Um, okay. And uh, that's mostly a preference. <laughs> and yeah. uh because I was uh, a preparation manager before, um, we have staff to do that now. So um, we don't, I don't, I f- I'll fill in if I need to, but not really. Not too much. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that your preference not to, to go on funerals? I totally agree. I'm just asking <laughs> from your point of view. It gets cold in the winter in Canada. Ah, okay. <laughs> And uh, women's dress boots are really hard to find in the winter uh-huh. form. So, especially if you're going on all these burial services in Tumen, like you got to have the proper shoes. Yeah. You don't want to be falling out there when you're directing a funeral. Yeah. So it gets cold up. But yeah. Mostly because it gets cold up here. And then in the summertime, it gets really hot sometimes. And uh, three piece suits, not the greatest outside. Yeah. And the guys yeah. would prefer to do it. So. Well, there you go. It kind of works in best best of both worlds for you. Yeah. I, 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 I love meeting with families, talking with families. But for me, going on a funeral sometimes, especially if it's a full service with church, the cemetery, everything, it takes up like my entire day. So I feel like I have very limited time to do all of the million other things I have to do. And I feel like I'm playing catch up then all day long. So yeah. that is my kind of reasoning that I'm like a bit anti- if possible. And I think it's more, um, at least for, for where I work at my family, it's more of like the older generation that, that wants to do that. And that's kind of what they do. So it just makes sense that we kind of go our separate ways and 
they handle that and I do all my other things. Yeah. They're like, you enter the emails and we'll, <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll go out and we'll go to church. No problem. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So we always get, you know, calls to put obituaries on our website. And uh, I was in the office with my dad this morning and uh, he was talking with family. Okay. Yeah. Just send, send over that email real quick and I'll, I'll get it on our website for you as soon as possible. And he's looking at our office manager laughing because he does none of it and she does all of it. And he takes the credit. So it's all always a joke saying, you got to stop taking credit for when we're, we're, when she's doing the real work. And it's just a, a good, funny joke that we kind of have banter about. Yeah. <laughs> what is your kind of level of volume at your funeral home and kind of how does it work for a scheduling purpose for you guys, Samantha? Yeah. So we do about 500 calls a year. Um, okay. We have two locations though, so 500 at ours. Uh, our other location, about 300. Um, oh wow, that's very busy. Okay. Yeah, um, the other location does a different clientele entirely, um, and uh, so for scheduling, we only usually do three visitations a day, so three funeral or three funerals a day. Um, yep. If they're like in the building and not at church, but we still, I would say, 80% go to church. Um, okay, so high, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, we basically, that's how kind of, you know, our scheduling, um, what about you guys? Do you guys church a lot or mostly chapel? Yeah, still a lot. Um, we have a big time Catholic following Irish Catholic specifically. So okay. we do go to church a great majority or like a priest or a deacon or something will come to the funeral home. So we're still seeing a lot of that ourselves. How do they, how do they manage? So they have very different, and does the ownership still involved like in the day to day at all? And how do they kind of balance between the two if they have very different, two different types of funeral homes? I figured that would be kind of hard because you're, it's like you're working two different complete jobs sort of. Yeah. So we are location specific, thankfully, um, okay. which works in well in our most of the director's favors. Um, sometimes yeah. we'll help, we help out, but we don't really cross over. Um, owners are heavily involved in the day to day, which can make for an interesting day for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but our other chapel has a, um, location manager that mostly manages the, the clientele up there um, versus owners work directly out of my location uh, on a daily. Gotcha. Gotcha. That does make it easier because we used to own two funeral homes ourselves. We actually sold one relatively recently and it was always tough when you had the same staff that are operating both at the same time. So everyone's running back and forth and it kind of adds like an extra element. Sometimes it adds some excitement. And like, if you're, if you're slow, it's, you know, you get to travel back and forth a little yeah. bit, but when you're busy, that's when it's like really tough because it's like, I got to go back and forth. And in Chicago, there's a lot of traffic. And even though we're like seven miles away from each other, it could take 45 minutes. Yeah. So it all depends on the situation, but I think that's a good way to do it is kind of have it separate, especially if they're having this kind of volume that you do, yeah. that it makes sense to have it that way. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's we share um, like FDA FDA staff a lot, um, okay. but directors are mostly. We have a pretty good. That's nice. Yeah. Very nice. What is your? I know we talked a little bit before we we jumped on. Talk about your schedule. You have a very unique style, and I'd like to everyone to hear it and see 
think about it for yourselves if this is something you would love or despise. So Samantha, what is your schedule like? Sure. So um, we do a seven on and a seven off schedule. So for seven days, you work 12 hour days for the most part. Um, and then you flex with the business. So if there's a lot going on and you need to be there longer than 12 hours, uh, we have to stay for 12 hours till the work is done. If there's not too much going on, um, we can do like maybe an eight hour day, 10 hour day. Um, and then we get seven days off. And, uh, so you almost get a whole vacation every other week. Um, right. but it may time flies on a seven and seven schedule. I will tell you, um, does it. Okay. Oh, Talk yeah. about that. Uh, so for the first seven, when you're working, like you can't really get anything done in your life. So everything gets put on yeah. pause and then you have to power through and speed through on your week off. And then the next thing you know, two weeks have gone by. Right. And then wow, that's they go back point. into your rotation and then you're three weeks in. Right. So the month just flies. 2022. Wow. Just I never, flew by. I never thought of it like that yeah. because I was thinking, oh, that would be sweet. Like every other week you pretty much get, you know, a, a full vacation. But if you're catching up from everything from the week before, you yeah. don't even have a chance to kind of breathe. Yeah. I bet you by the end of the seven, you're like, oh, I can just like finally like sort of settle. And then it's like, boop, you're right back into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it was a hard adjustment, but now uh, we talk about changing uh, schedules again, but I don't know if I would want to work anything else at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a funeral service, you know, you have to work weekends, right? You have to work holidays right. and stuff. And uh, I'm okay with it every other weekend. But if you go on a different schedule, then it kind of messes with your, your time off and your weekends and stuff, right? So, right. Um, it's actually not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> I think it sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's for me, but I do love going on vacation. So that would scream to that part of me. I love going on trips because, you know, I, I don't know, that's how I like to experience life, but yeah. you get to do it as pretty much as often as you want. If you schedule it the right way, yeah. the, I guess, I don't know if the, the drawback would be that then you're just like kind of going from one kind of mind, you know, frame of mind to another and then back and forth. So it, it makes it it makes it tough but like at the same time if if your week goes flying by like that it would be like a good thing how does it feel at the beginning of the week you're starting a seven what what is it, what are the thoughts going through your head uh, the first thoughts are what do i have to catch up from the week that i missed right right yep. um or what did i leave from two weeks ago that needs to get picked up again um uh, and then i feel like the first two days drags out and you go oh my gosh i have you know, seven days of this. And then by when, by the time you get to like Thursday and Friday, the weekend just will fly. Um, yeah. I, we, I find that we take most of our calls in business, like on the weekend. Um, so we, really? we tee up the next crew, uh, for their visitations and, and things. Um, and it's like kind of a running joke between our two, two teams that uh, <laughs> we take all the business in the weekend and tee them up. <laughs> I was going to say, so at the end of the week, are you trying to get as much done as you can so that the next shift of, you know, team members, whatever yeah. you call them, they're like in a good position and you kind of have it all laid out or how does that work? Hope, yeah. That's what we hope for is uh, right. that we can get um, as much done with our, our, our files and our families um, so that they really just have to pick up where we left off. Um, you know, that seamless service. <laughs> <laughs> right. that we try so hard to portray right yeah and i think 
it would just be like you're make people before you have made arrangements. So you're like at the start of your weeks, you're trying to catch up like, okay, what did they do for these arrangements? And then you're trying to fill in what they sort of did by carrying out all the funerals. I guess you're not having to do that, but as far as the arrangement side of things and kind of the mixture between that two, it would maybe be difficult, but probably you guys probably have a system down, I would think. Yeah, we have a pretty good system in place. Um, you know, there's always small, small things that get sometimes forgotten or slip through the cracks, but uh, we're pretty lucky with our clientele. They pretty much, I, I, I think the term in the industry is cookie cutter. <laughs> um, yeah. Pretty much they want the same things. Um, nice. So it's pretty easy to take that. It's when you get those ones that um, throw the, the curveball to you that, yeah. um, you know, notes are really important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you, so do you work with the same people then for seven days or is there a crossover? Do you know like the other people that are on the other seven? How does that work? Yeah. So previously when, um, before the pandemic restrictions lifted here, uh, we worked in two teams. So we worked with the same people for seven days on the same rotation. Um, the FDAs, uh, they have now gone back to their um, continental shifts. So they rotate uh, two on, three off. Um, so oh. they cross. So the FDAs and unlicensed staff cross over and drivers, but the directors stay on the seven. So I work with the same team of directors um, every week. Wow. And, but so you would know like the other people then too, it just, you wouldn't yeah. know them as well as the people obviously you're working with every day. Yes. Yes. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right. I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started mortuary marketing. And I got to tell you all the few homes we work with are, they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. This is, I'm just going back to the vacation thing. Vacations are my way of like making sure that I don't have to go into work. Yeah. So I think I would like this because that's, I mean, I guess we're, we're smaller than you and we're family. So if there's something that's going on that I need to be there for on a weekend that I'm supposed to be off or whatever, and same with goes with all of like our staff, my family, everyone's like, okay, I'll come on in. But if you go on vacation, that's not it's not going to happen. So that would be like my other lure to to kind of have that shift too. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's exactly because when they know you're sitting at home, right? They're like, oh, yeah. do you mind answering these four emails for me? And right, um, do, do they me, bother you on your seven off at all? All the like, time. The stuff? <laughs> oh, wow. All the time. I um, had a couple of situations the past. Um, month like september like september october november where um there was a time change between clients and me so anytime they would send an email or call it'd be three o'clock in the morning um so i was taking Whoa. emails and phone calls at three o'clock in the morning from the clients and, uh. Uh, so it made for a tough like time off because it was mostly on my time off too right so it made for yeah. 
um, made for some hard times. I'm sure. Where were they from that they were that big of a time difference? Um, so the deceased was in Los Angeles, uh, which okay. is a three-hour time change, but the family's uh-huh. in the Philippines, which is um, wow. I don't even know the time change from here, but uh, seventeen or something. Crazy yeah. Like so that. between between wow. the funeral home in Los Angeles and the family in the Philippines, it really just made for made for a fun time in my household. <laughs> That's really tough. Yeah. That is tough. So how did you get into the funeral industry in the first place? Um, I know you've been a, a licensed funeral doctor was 12 years, 13 years? 13 years, yeah. 13. So how'd you get started in the first place? Um, so it's kind of an interesting story. So I actually had ended up going to university for something else. Um, I was going to do experimental farming um, oh. in agriculture. Yeah. And then, but what does as, that mean? Uh, so basically uh, like hydroponics, um, uh, genetically modified food, uh, stuff like that. Um, so that's where I wanted to go. But as a child, like in like elementary school, I would tell everybody I was going to be a mortician. I was going to be a funeral director. Uh, I come from a very academic family. And so my father said, like, go get a real job, (laughs) right? He's like, go to university, get a real job. Um, and I would just tell everybody, like, if you, if I go back through my work from school, um, it was like, I'm going to be a funeral director. Um, so then I ended up having, he ended up actually passing away and I was like sitting at home going, what am I going to do with my life? Um, because I had dropped out of school, um, at that time. So I was sitting at home and going, what am I going to do? And I said, you know what? I'm going to call up the local funeral home and just see if they would take me. And I came from a small town and, you know, they don't get people that call them and say, hey, I want to work here. Right. Right. So I phoned them up and said, hey, can I can I come to work there? And they said, sure, start tomorrow, 9 a.m. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, so I went into work with them and three at this point we were like in August. So you have to apply uh, in Ontario for school by February. Um, so we were at August. So I was past, way past the deadline. Got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, they pulled me aside one day and they said, did you ever think that you wanted to go to school for this? And I said, well, I can't because I'm way past the application deadline. Uh-huh. Um, they made a few phone calls and got me into school and nice. the rest is history. <laughs> Wow, you got really lucky with where who you called up and all of that, and yeah, uh, that's great that you were able to kind of follow your passion that you had since you were a kid. Clearly, it's worked out. You've been doing it for so long, so yeah. that's a really great thing. I love to hear it. Yeah. What about yourself? Uh, family. Uh, I didn't always think I was going to be. I actually, I was deterred, you know, by my by my family, immediate family, but then I just kind of felt that calling, you know, I was like, man, this, it's feeling right. It's feeling right. And then finally, you know, made the plunge. And then ever since I did, I was no looking back. That's for sure. And, uh, we all know it has its highs and lows, but, um, the, the highs outweigh the lows most of the time. And that's why we do it. It's, it's kind of going that roller coaster, I would say. Yeah. When you think about it, um, is there something else that you would do if you didn't do this or is this, you know, what you, when you think about your life, um, wow. Would this be what you would do? And I'm the one supposed to be asking questions. That's a good one. Um, I love doing kind of the other stuff that I'm doing in tandem with being a funeral director. Um, I have like this 
kind of entrepreneurial kind of side to me that I really, really enjoy. So I kind of like the business aspect of funeral service and just in general. And I've been doing that more and more so um, over the past couple of years. So I think that would be because I'm kind of doing it in tandem with each other now. And I'm starting like to really enjoy that and love it and doing that with my brother, actually. So I guess that would be my only other thing um, that I could even think of because it was nothing else was really on like yeah. on the table or on the cards. So I guess that's what I would say. And I'm able to kind of live out both right now, which is really I'm really lucky, I think. Cool. What is what what are, what are one of the craziest stories that you've experienced, whether it was with a family or a situation that a funeral director could relate to and be like, oh, that's that's a good one. Do you have any good stories? Like, I'm sure if you're meeting those many families. Like, oh. uh, I have plenty. Um, so I, yeah. <laughs> so I took a hiatus from actually working as a funeral director uh, really? in 2020. Um, okay. So 20. What are we? So twenty, sorry, twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one. I went to go work uh, for so in in Ontario, pre need uh, funerals are funded by trust or insurance. Uh, so I went to work for the trust company for a little while, uh, oh, okay. uh, administering for them. Um, and so in so when I returned back to funeral service, uh, my very first funeral that I so before that I had oh, taken no. out tons oh, of funerals. Oh. Before we go there, yeah. so why did you make that shift? Like, what was it? Did you want to just try something? Yeah, else? Like, yeah, I had. Yeah. yeah, I decided that maybe you know funerals weren't for me, or yeah. um, you know, you get to that burnout, you get to that like eight year burnout, right? Where you're like, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Uh, so I had an I opportunity to to leave, and yeah. uh, I mean, at a great time. <laughs> um, but then you know, the pull back to funeral service came. It's- what's the biggest difference between the two? Like what were the advantages and disadvantages? And what would you say if someone is kind of contemplating that? Because a lot of funeral directors do have that on the table, especially if they're like you that are doing arrangements all the time. They're probably like, why don't I just start my own business and do pre-need? So what would you say the positives and negatives are for it? So positives nine to five. Right. Yes. <laughs> a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, if you like doing like administrative, um, which I much prefer to do administrative, um, so that like that is a positive. Um, I mean, you get the office environment instead, right? Like a funeral home is an office, but it's not an office. It's not not an office, right? Um, so those, I would say, you know, the nine to five was really what, uh, yeah. what was the pull for me. Um, so it was nice to have my weekends and my nights back. And what um, was your schedule before? Cause I, I, I think your schedule was different before cause you had a different funeral home, right? Yes. Was that, what was that schedule like that made you really consider? So that was a rotating schedule, a rotating two week, two week schedule, three week schedule. Uh, it was every third weekend. Um, but it was rotating right. days and nights. So you would do two days and then you'd flip to nights. Oh, uh, then no. you do three nights plus the weekend and then you would get your day off and then you would flip uh-huh. back. It was a, yeah, three, I think it was a three week rotating. That's you know. grueling. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And I, I did that for almost 10, almost eight years. So yeah. it was, uh, it was pretty tough. Um, yeah. right, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that's okay. No. So I, so I came back to funerals and, uh, I took what a were the, wait, before. What were the dis like? 
what made you come back then? What were like the, the parts that you're like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. Or was there anything in particular that caused you to make the change? Like, no, um, no, honestly, like when I look at my, when I look at it, um, I'm like, what else would I do? Right. Like when I, I, cause I, you know, you, you go, what, what else would you do? And I, and I do thoroughly enjoy like what I do and, uh, yeah. you know, um, it can make your, your life hard sometimes. Right. But, uh, yeah. I really do enjoy like serving families. Um, yeah. and that's kind of what pulled me back. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So. Okay. So, so what happened to your first family back? So yeah, first family you go back. This for a couple of years, and yeah. of course, your first family is going to be first family back. I actually yeah. knew from my previous employment. Really? Okay, that's okay. interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, huge family dynamic. Um, oh. not for the better. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah to the point where I actually had to end the funeral at the church. We did not go to a cemetery uh, because they shoved me at church What? and verbally assaulted me at church. Yeah. And I had to, and then they had a fist fight at the church and I had to stop the funeral and take the, take the body back to the funeral home and told them to call me the next day. Good for you because I don't know what I would do in that circumstance. Like, what was what were your thoughts going through your head? That that is insane. I'm a I, bit, yeah. I'm a, I'm a bit of a so. <laughs> I'm really composed, but when put under pressure or put on the spot, like what you know. <laughs> I to be fired up. Yeah, I was pretty fired up. Um, but basically, I you know, I ownership was away at the time as well, so um. Right. It was just myself and staff on the funeral, and uh, like, you know, yeah, and the you know the guys they get involved, right? They're like, oh, you know, don't do this at your mother's funeral. Well, I mean, they do anyway. <laughs> uh, so I basically, yeah, I just said I'm going to make an executive decision here, and I said you guys can call me tomorrow, and once you've calmed down, yeah. And that, it, that is a powerful move. Should be like, I am not messing around. If you're gonna, if you're gonna yeah. act in this fashion. You know, you can't be doing that. No. I just don't understand. I guess I'm very blessed that I don't have like family family dynamic like that. But yeah. even if you do, you have to try to compose yourself for a situation like this. And yeah. especially to drag you into it when you have nothing to it, it just how how did you end up getting shoved? Like what was the situation? They were, were everyone side to side, get get away. Yeah, get, so half of them were in the church and half of them were out of the church, and I went to go okay. into the church to go speak to who I needed to speak to. And they, I opened the door and then they shoved me out the church doors and said, get out of here. Um, and, uh, I've never, I was so, so at the time, like now I can talk about it, but back then I was like, so upset. And, um, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I've never, my whole career, like I've had family. I mean, we've all had like People right. have family dynamics and fight, right? Yeah. But this was yeah. like the one that I was like, wow, do I really want to do this? Like, um, but you know, I just told them, like, you don't get to put me in the middle because you're fighting, right? Like, it's no. not how this works. And um, because you know how sometimes people can get a little, um, you know, well, we're paying you, so you do what I say. And right. it's like, no, yeah. I'm actually a human being and the staff on this funeral and everybody around yeah. are human beings as well. So like, right. yeah. Well, why do you think people like behave that way i don't think that's a common thing for other industries and why is it that funeral directors maybe because we're getting the blunt end of like some some hard things that are 
they're dealing with. But I have noticed that situation. It doesn't happen often, but it happens on occasion where someone's like, I'm paying you. You're going to, why do you think it is us that's just like, that has to take that on? And it, maybe it is common in other industries, but I, I don't think so. I, I want to hear your take. I think it's partially um, being created by the industry where the funeral director just does what the family says. I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if maybe where you guys are, um, but here it's very much, uh, you know, the funeral director is to be seen and not heard. And, um, you know, if you, like when I went to school, it was like, if you go to the soup, like there's some funeral homes still that if you work in a small town and you have to go to the supermarket, like you have to wear your suit to the supermarket. Right. Old. Like it's a very, like very like old school thinking. And uh, I think that's where it stems from. And then people go, I'm paying you yeah. tens of thousands of dollars. So like, what right. are you doing for me? And it comes from that, like feeling under service and overcharged um, yes. is, is yeah. where I think it comes from. And then you throw in, you know, grief and um, yeah. if it, there already is a dynamic or, you know, if it's sudden, right. if there's like sudden or anything like trauma, like it just, I think you put, put it all together into a pot yeah. and it just makes a really nice storm that. A nice storm, a nice stew for yeah. us. That's a, that's a great point because most of us go so above and beyond for our families because we do care. And then you can be, get, you can get taken advantage of yeah. in that situation because the family says, well, I don't like, maybe sometimes the families don't see exactly like how much we're doing, which is part of like, what we're trying to do is bring light to be like, funeral directors are going like, yeah, we're going crazy for you just to like perform like the perfect service. So maybe it comes from that where they say, they're just going to do anything I say. And, and good for you in that situation for putting your foot down, because that's a hard thing to do when a lot of us have that mindset service, service, service. It's yeah. tough to be like, hey, you are way, 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 way beyond the line. Yeah. And I need to put a stop to this. Yeah, it is. It really is because you you don't want to feel like you're um, in any way impeding on their like grief journey, right? Yeah. But at some point you're That's just like, someone needs point. to take control of this and yeah. we need to like, we need to do something about it. And it's just, it's that fine line. And like, um, I mean, right. as a woman in the industry, I also find that sometimes when you cross that line, people interpret it incorrectly. Um, right. And yeah. uh, if it comes from a male, I think sometimes it comes across a little differently than if it comes across from me, right? right. In this instance, it worked out fine. It was just, you know, she didn't yeah. say anything. And then when she said something, like she meant it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, I, I guess like, that's a good thing. And maybe that's something that some people need to hear too. Like I need to hear that sometimes because you have like, you can only do so much and you can only take so much on the back and yeah. too. And I loved what you said that we are humans too. <laughs> like we're not just like the, these robots that are going to perform services without, because I think maybe people do think we are like robotic because we deal with death every day and we're yeah. able to handle it and cope with it. So they're probably like, Oh, they can like just take anything. No, that's, that's not the situation. And maybe that has something to do with it too, but that's amazing that you're able to, I'm shocked that you didn't go running back to pre-need the next day. I would be like, okay, that's a sign. Like I'm going back. No, no. Um, no, I, I, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it just makes for, it makes for a good story now. And, uh, you know, when you get those families that sit in front of you and go, you've probably never seen this before. And it's like, well, 
Like that's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> they, they, all, they either say you've probably never seen this, or they say they start to say that, and they're like, "Wait, yeah, you've probably seen this before, but I want to ask you something." And I'm like, "Trust me, we've seen it. Trust me." Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, you know, and that's it. And it just makes for a good story when people go, "Oh, we're not that bad, then, right?" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm like, I tell everybody the story. It's okay. <laughs> My cousin got into an altercation. This was years, this might've been, it was before I started. So this was a long time ago. He was working a visitation with the family and there was obviously same thing, bad family dynamic. Two guys started fighting in the hallway and he goes to break it up. And he gets like, the one guy was like a big dude, picks him up and like pins him against the wall, my cousin. And they hurt his back. It was like a whole situation. His back is like, you know, not been the same ever since. And he was just trying to like break it up. Right. It's just crazy. Sometimes the situation that you find yourself in and yeah. you got to be careful as much as you can too. And, um, you know, do what you can. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, give me one more story. Another good story uh, that us funeral directors like to hear um, over years. What's another crazy situation that you found yourself in? Um, back in the day, um, I had a family uh, the lady was coming in from out of the country. The family okay. was bringing her in from out of the country. And, you know, sometimes right. it happens. She had a heart attack on the plane and unfortunately died. Oh, no. Um, well, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the family. So I've uh, actually never heard of anyone dealing with that type of loss. What happens when someone dies on a plane? So they wait until they land. Um, and then, yeah. So like if your neighbor on the plane passes away, like they just throw a blanket over you and what? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know. That. I guess I've never even thought about that. Yeah. Because they're not going to just like stop. No. Right? No. Oh, yeah. I wonder if like that's every airline, if that's standard policy, I'm, I'm would be fascinated. It's, I mean, if you're traveling overseas, clearly there's yeah. nothing you can do. Like we're, we're going to, we got to keep going. Yeah. Um, so this, wow. yeah, so this woman had a heart attack, um, uh, and died. Um, and okay. the family came in to make arrangements and they proceeded to tell me, so there was a confusion with the, uh, coroner's office here, uh, because they had her under a different name because the family had actually bought all of her paperwork to come here. So they wow. proceeded to tell me and the, like they proceeded to tell me about how they didn't have any money anymore because they had spent $50,000 to bring this woman here to Canada. Get and out of here. No. And I was like, can you like, maybe don't tell me anymore <laughs> about yeah, that? I don't want to be an accomplice. To yeah. <laughs> I'm like, please don't tell me that. Um, but that's uh, crazy. Yeah. Those are probably the two, those, those two incidents, like that, that incident, just that I was probably a uh, first year license when that happened. Wow. And, and you're uh, like, I, I'm plugging my ears. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I'm like, whatever you did, please don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Cause immigration. You, you, was have some, yeah. you have some people just that will open up their heart and soul to you. And yeah. it's like, uh, okay. Okay. Like <laughs> I don't need to hear like every little detail of yeah. your life. Yeah, thank you. We're just, we're going to get it sorted out you know like don't don't tell me anymore because you know <laughs> let's just leave it the way it is you tell them whatever you want so anyway. what is your number one favorite thing about working in funeral service your favorite thing uh i think it's the thank you at the end um yeah. really it is when you know and especially when people are giving you a, a bit of a hard time at the beginning 
And then after it's all over, they come to you and they go, you know, you were right. I don't like to be right, but like, you know, you did actually make this easier, you know. Um, that is satisfying. It kind of is, right? Like in yeah. a weird way. Um, yeah. You know, the age old, like, I've done this before. <laughs> right. right. It's the ultimate yeah. pat on the back, I think. Yeah. Gives you static at the beginning and then by the end, they, you know, are like, thank you so much. That is a great, I, that's a I, that's one of the best things i agree yeah so that's i would say that that's my number one and it did like just the thank you that's all you know like thank you for yep. everything you've done that's all i need right and then it makes you go oh, it makes me you know, it's yeah it's that that affirmation that confirmation that you're doing a good job and yeah. um that's what everyone wants to hear I, I don't care who you are and what industry everyone wants to hear that you're you're doing your job well and uh it's a good thing that people people can say that to you yeah exactly well, Samantha, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Uh, you gave us some great stories and uh, some great point of views and a different style and of kind of a weekly work, work life. And um, maybe some people are going to be running to their owners and trying to get it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go that far. But thank you so much for taking the time. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for having me.